Welcome back to another episode of Across the Pylon. I'm your host, Brandon Pockers, and unfortunately, both co-hosts are not here this week, but Austin is still here, so I think that's more than enough. What, what do you think, Austin? Yeah, um, Maddox, we miss you. Come back soon. Maybe we'll have a better podcast without you. We'll see. But uh, I'm ready to rock. Football's a few days away. Ready to fire out some more content, and let's get into it. Should be very interesting. And as I always lead off every show, make sure to follow us on our social media pages, being Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, specifically relating to TikTok and Instagram, if you've been paying attention recently. We've been posting more content. Keep sending in your fantasy football teams. We want to grade as many as possible as the season begins this Thursday. It's been a very long wait, but we have finally arrived at real football. Also, Stay tuned to both the TikTok and Instagram for further trivia questions. We're going to up the ante as the season goes on. So keep leaving, keep leaving your replies and keep answering those questions. And we're going to keep them coming. Also, in terms of where you can listen to us, we are wherever, and I mean wherever podcasts can be found. So Austin, care to explain what that statement essentially means? Wherever you can find yourself listening to a podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Podcasts, I think that's a thing. Wherever you can possibly listen to us, besides YouTube, we're coming there soon. You can find us, start listening, start checking out the TikTok, Instagram, just like Brandon said, the content is going to be fire throughout the season. And without further ado, it's time to jump into week one news man that feels so good to say right now so good so to start off the biggest news out there right now is that zach martin got covid and is in danger of missing the game he's most likely going to be out the thursday night game against tampa that is a huge loss for a team that was decimated on the o-line is already suffering losses at that position Yes, the DAC injury was more important, but the loss of many key O-line contributors was a major reason that Zeke Elliott and that entire offense started to falter down the stretch. Not having Zach Martin out there isn't great, but the fact that it's only COVID, I say only COVID as it's a ravaged bunch of people. I take that as saying it is not an injury. It is not something that we know is going to keep Martin out the entire year like it did last year. And for the Cowboys' sake, that's good. Unfortunately, that reduces their chances of winning this game. It was going to be a tough sell either way. Tampa is a very good team. They're coming off a Super Bowl victory. They have Tom freaking Brady. I mean, there's not really more you need to say on that front. Their defensive line is swarming. So, personally, I think that gives Tampa a little bit of an advantage. I think it's still going to be a great game either way. And really, that, that's my, my stance on it. Austin, have you gotten a different read from that situation? Or are you more in line of what I'm saying in terms of the loss of Zach Martin? While it isn't going to be a crusher for the entire season, it still is going to be a huge factor in Thursday night's kickoff game. Yeah, definitely a huge loss this week. Luckily for the Cowboys, they are not going to lose him long term. It could possibly just be this game. He's back on the field week two. Uh, but this does hurt them big time this week. We saw in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs' offensive line was terrible, to say the least. And look what the Bucs did to the Chiefs. They dominated the whole game. And this is going to bring anchor down on the Cowboys for sure. It's going to bring anchor down on Zeke. And when you have a quarterback coming off an injury like he did last season, you want to protect him as much most as possible. And losing the best offensive lineman in the league, that does not help your chances with that. But like you were saying, it was going to be an uphill battle either way for the Cowboys. It just makes it a little steeper for them. Yeah. And on a more positive note now, as we're transitioning away from the negativity, um, it's really great to see that guys like McCaffrey, Saquon, and Nick Bosa throwing in some defensive love for people that love that side of the ball. It's great to see that they're going to be back at full strength right off the bat. And unfortunately, football, 
one of the main parts of the sport are injuries. Guys are going to go down. Other guys are going to have to step up. It's going to change the fabric of how teams operate and all that. I guess I'll start with you again, Austin. This time you start this off. What are you expecting out of some of these star players that are making their way back after major injuries, whether that's Dak Prescott at the quarterback position or McCaffrey and Barkley at the running back position? Is is Nick Bosa going to have that same impact right away off his injury, or is he going to be a little bit slower to regain his elite form, essentially? Yeah, you got a few guys coming back here from torn ACLs, which we have seen in the past kind of change some careers. But I'm really these guys are the top guys of these their positions, most of them, if not all. So you kind of expect them to come back mostly the same way. I'm excited. I want to see Saquon in a full 16, was it 17 game season? I'm excited. I'm excited for him the most because I'm ready to see him back on the field full time. And I think I think he'll have the same production as we all expect him to be a top five top three quarterback in this or running back in this league not Saquon is not throwing the ball but hey you never know yeah I mean I definitely feel you on that there's a reason these guys are in the NFL they are upper echelon athletes in every sense of the word with that being said that means they're going to recover from injuries faster a torn ACL in 2021 is not the same as it was back in 2010 it's just the evolution of the medical field, the evolution of how these surgeries are done. Honestly, it really started with Adrian Peterson back in 2012 when he came back from the torn ACL and almost broke the single season rushing record. That was really the start of guys saying, hey, torn ACL isn't what it used to be. People can come back. It, it kind of, Adrian Peterson kind of changed the entire game based off that. The guy I'm really concerned about, though, and you mentioned how you want to see a full season from this guy. I'm not worried about McCaffrey. I'm not worried about Dak. I'm not worried about Bosa. I'm worried about Saquon. And it's not Saquon himself because we all know Saquon may have the best talent out of anyone at the running back position in the NFL. And this will relate to some of the stuff I'll bring up later in the episode, but I'm concerned about the team around him. Giants fans aren't going to like what I'm going to say. I'm not sold on Daniel Jones just yet. Can he be a good quarterback? Has he shown flashes of being a good quarterback? Yes, he has. But at the same time, he is also very turnover prone. That goes hand in hand with his offensive line. That is the inflection point for me of what is concerning me a lot about the Giants this year. Their defense is stellar. I'm going to say that right off the bat. Their defense is very good. James Bradbury is a very, very, very good cornerback. That O-line, and yes, I know what a lot of people are going to say. It is preseason. That Giants offensive line looked terrible. And the main guy that concerns me is Andrew Thomas because he's supposed to be that anchor. He's supposed to be that main guy. Andrew Thomas is getting blown by guys like Matt Judon and guys on the Patriots that are good. The, the Patriots have a very good defensive line. They always have. And this will also relate to what I'm going to bring up later in the episode. Those guys don't compare to the upper echelon of pass rushers in the league, which are on a team that they are going to face in week one. And that relates back to Saquon because if – Guys are being driven back four or five yards into the backfield every single play by these stellar defensive lines. And the Giants are going to play a few this year. Saquon is going to not have the running lanes. He's going to have to try and create all this yardage by himself. And one, that's how guys aren't successful running ball in the NFL. Most of the time when that happens, the backyard football type plays, it's, it's once in a while. If you try to do that consistently, you're not going to gain many yards. Two, it's going to cause more injuries, going to cause Saquon take hits that he probably shouldn't have if he has a better O-line. So overall, I'm just kind of concerned about the surroundings Saquon has and if that's going to be a danger to him right off the bat coming off an ACL tear. So with that being said, it is finally time to transition to some game previews. And yes, there were some 
RB workouts with the Ravens after Justice Hill tore, I think, yeah, tore his Achilles. Le'Veon Bell worked out there. Nothing really of note. No one's been signed yet. If if that happens, we'll be sure to touch it on the touch on it on the pod. But didn't really stick out to me. I feel like Gus Edwards is entrenched as the number one guy there. Trayvon Williams is entrenched as number two guy there. The Ravens have a lot of confidence in him. It makes sense for them, to, for them to bring a veteran in, but I don't think that veteran is going to be the guy for them. So that adds, that's essentially where I stand on that. But week one excitement. We are going to talk about a few games and predict them and give, give our takes. Me and Austin are going to go back and forth on how we feel about these games, what the outcome is probably going to be, and what the divergence essentially could be. Like if A happens – what causes that if B happens? What causes that? The first game we're going to touch on, quite obviously, it's a great matchup. Cowboys Bucks. We we talked about Dak and Zach Martin a little bit already, but this is one of my favorite games to begin the season because it's the Super Bowl champion playing a team that, while they struggled last year, there were some major reasons why why they struggled, mainly injuries. Dak Prescott going down for the year. Basically the entire offensive line being out at different points and then essentially going down for the year also. And just the underperformances. And I think even in some cases underrating of that team post Dak and offensive line injuries, specifically with a guy like Zeke Elliott. On the other hand, you have a team that, Started off cold last year and ended up catching fire middle of the season and went on a run to win the Super Bowl. With those two things combined, I still think Tampa wins the game. I still think they win the game quite easily, honestly. Because I'm still not sold on Dallas's defense, specifically their cornerbacks. While they have drafted to improve that that position specifically with a guy like Trayvon Diggs. I don't think the majority of that secondary is going to be able to hold up against the likes of Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. Quite simply, it's probably the best wide receiver core in the league. I I don't know what team is going to match up to that and what team is going to really pose as much of a threat to secondaries as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In addition, Tom Brady, that's all I'm going to say. And for the defensive side, Todd Bowles is probably the best defensive coordinator in the league. Wasn't this, wasn't a great head coach, but being a defensive coordinator is really his element. And I think he's going to cause problems for Dak, who may be a little bit wary coming off his knee injury and still dealing with shoulder problems. This line is... Seven and a half points in favor of Tampa. I think that's accurate. I think Tampa probably wins this by a touchdown, but it won't be as close as the score makes it seem because I think Tampa is going to really control the flow of the game. It may take a week or two for Dallas to get back to where that offense was. And I really see Dallas having the loss here. So after I've droned on for a while here, Austin, do you have any descending opinions from uh, what I said, do you think that something could go different in this game where Dallas could sneak in and, and win the game? I really don't see a different outcome unless you see Dak throwing 450 yards maybe. Like like you said, the biggest concern going into this offseason for the Cowboys on the defensive side was linebacker, secondary. They got Michael Parsons in the draft, pick 11. He's going to be a stud. Then you got on the outside, they drafted. But like you said, A.B., Godwin, Evans, you got Gronk in there too. And then you got Tom Brady. It's just going to be really hard to stop. It's going to be a hostile environment. Coming off a Super Bowl win, I mean, there's not much you can do to stop the momentum the Bucs will have going right into the game. We'll see. I'm going to say the Bucs cover the seven-and-a-half line. And, yeah, that's pretty much all I got for the Bucs game. And that's the beauty of NFL football. You never know what's truly going to happen until the game starts. If 
listen, Tampa could come out sluggish like they did last year. I don't think that happens because they had a full year to play together and a true offseason to really mesh and learn the offense. But Tampa could come out and struggle. Dallas could come out and thrive. The complete reverse could happen. Tampa could essentially bury Dallas right off the bat and Dak may have to throw for 50, 50 times, 55 times like he had to last year when the defense was just getting eviscerated. Moving on to the next game. Austin, I'll let you start on this one. For those listening at home, Chiefs-Browns going to be one of the best games, I think, of the entire weekend. And there's a very interesting matchup that I'm keying in on. And Austin, I'll let you start. I, I want to hear if you're thinking on the same, same wavelength that uh, I am. Well, I, I really think this one has the potential to be a shootout. <laughs> we have to see how quick these offenses can get in in the role. I mean, the Browns defense is really good. Uh, the Chiefs, you know, not as much on the defensive side, but it's the Chiefs. They can put up 50 points a game if they really wanted to. I'm excited to see Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey back on the field. That offense is just so much fun to watch. Uh, and then for the Browns, I don't really like them too much, but they're going to have a good season. They're going to have a good game. They played them They played them close last year. It came down to the last drive. We saw Mahomes go out, and I forget who it even was. Came in and saved the day for the Chiefs. But I'm excited. I think – what is the line on this? I think it's like – The line of this game is six and a half in the Chiefs' favor. Yeah. I, I couldn't even tell you which way to bet that one. The Browns definitely had the possibility to cover – but the Chiefs could also win by 14. We don't know. Like you said, it's football. We'll see on kickoff. I'm torn on this one. I am really torn on this one. And not about the winner, because I think the Chiefs do win this game. I'm just torn on how the the points are going to be scored. Because I think there is a world where these teams and – the over-under is set at 54.5. I think there's a world where that over-under is not hit. And essentially what my reasoning is behind that is I think Cleveland's defense could be stellar this year. They are getting a lot of pieces back. Remember, Grant Delpit barely played last year. It's like clowny this offseason. Clowny. I mean, their secondary was improved majorly. They, they drafted... Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa that bolstered that linebacker core. As good as the Chiefs' weapons are, that O-line has not played altogether in a regular season game yet. It may take a week or two for that offense to be taking off. And I will never bet against Mahomes. I just think that a lot of the scoring could come later where, as a result, you're not going to get those massive numbers that you would expect in this type of game. Likewise, I don't know if Baker Mayfield is going to be able to be in a shootout right off the bat. That Cleveland offense is very, very, very run heavy to then work on play action. Cleveland's type of game where I think they have the best shot to win is if they lean on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to control the game script, keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hand, and not let him put up. 25, 35 points in this game. Because that's not Cleveland style. Can they do it? Absolutely. That is not how they want to win games. If you remember how Cleveland won a lot of games last year, what were the major things? Ball control and playing great defense. They were able to win shootouts at times, but that is not their preferred method of winning the game. That is really my inflection point on this one because – I don't know if, one, can the Browns stop the Chiefs? And two, can the Chiefs stop the Browns from imposing their will? Yeah, if if they run it down their throats, they give themselves the best chance to win this game. You, you got to think the Browns got to be aiming for about almost 40 minutes of time possession. I mean, you got to run that clock. You got to chew it up. And that's how you get your best chances. I mean, that's it. It's going to be a tough match going up against the Chiefs, best one of the best teams in football, if not the best. 
Yeah, this may be the game I'm the most torn on of the entire week between two stellar teams because I really don't know how this one's going to go. I think I have an idea of how it could go based on a few factors, but it's one of the ones where it's like, I don't know. I'm just excited to watch. The third game we're going to talk about, and this is shifting more into my territory of of my favorite team, the Jets. The Jets are facing Carolina and Sam Darnold in Carolina week one. This is the NFL basically being like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be like that. And of course, make Zach Wilson's first game against the former Jets quarterback. Listen, I'm just going to preface everything as this. One game is not going to make or break and essentially decide if the Jets made the right decision to trade Sam Darnold and draft Zach Wilson. That is not going to be decided over one game. And quite frankly, week one of the NFL season does not mean all that much in the grand scheme. I mean, the Saints beat the Buccaneers by, awesome, what was it, over 10 first yeah, week? Good amount. Yeah. Also, Jacksonville beat Houston to start the year off 1-0. Jacksonville ended up with the first overall pick and did not win another game during the entire season. So, with that being said, guys, this is still a very important game for the Jets. And what it's going to come down to, there are two major factors. There are still other factors, but there are two major matchups and factors that will decide the outcome of this game. The number one factor in my mind, the Jets' defensive line versus the Panthers' offensive line. The Panthers have lost multiple guys to short-term IR or injury regardless, and they might be out this game. The only stud they have on that line is Taylor Moden. That's it. They signed him to an extension. He's a very good tackle. He's going to be an anchor for that line. Otherwise, Cam Irving is one of the worst offensive linemen in the league. A lot of this Panthers offensive line are cast-offs from other teams. On the other hand, the Jets have one of the most potentially dominant defensive lines in the NFL. It would have been even more so if Carl Lawson did not get hurt and tear his Achilles. But Quinn and Williams, Sheldon Rankins, the underrated John Franklin Myers, the underrated Bryce Huff, the newly acquired Shaq Lawson, is that the most stellar line? Is that going to compare to Miles Garrett and J- Jadavian Clowney or TJ Watt or all these upper echelon guys? No. But Quinn and Williams is young enough and is on a pace to be one of the most dominant interior defensive linemen in the NFL. The other guys around Williams are serviceable enough and good enough with NFL experience and talent to make an impact on this game. In addition, Sam Darnold's biggest problem last year was how he fared against interior pressure. The Jets had an absolutely abysmal interior offensive line last year and essentially got Darnold killed most weeks because they could not block inside. The Panthers didn't exactly learn that lesson either. And if the Jets can get to Darnold more enough or good enough, They're going to cause issues and get inside his head. On the other hand, the biggest matchup besides the trench battle is the Panthers wide receivers versus the Jets secondary. And by wide receivers, I'm also lumping in Christian McCaffrey in this. Between McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Terrence Marshall, they have an obvious advantage over the Jets who have the likes of Bryce Hall, Brandon Eccles, Jason Pinnock. Javon Gidry, Michael Carter II, Marcus May. There is a clear talent gap, and obviously the Panthers are going to try to rely on that talent advantage against the Jets. So essentially, this matchup, and I'm not even talking about the Jets on offense because I feel like the Jets will be able to score, but this is, this is my entire key for this. What is more important? The trenches versus the talent on offense. 
are the Jets going to control the trenches against Darnold? Or are the Panthers' weapons going to make the Jets pay for their youth and inexperience on the defensive end? That is what this game boils down to. I think personally that the interiors, the trenches, matter way more than the guys outside. Because if you can't block the other team, you're never going to let the guys on the outside contribute and control the game. That's why I feel like the Jets have a bit of an edge in this game. I feel like by having the better trenches, you're going to get inside of Darnold's head. And by and from watching Darnold enough over the past three seasons, I feel like enough pressure is going to rattle him to the point where the Jets are going to have a considerable advantage, even if Zach Wilson doesn't start off as good as he can. Austin, do you have anything else to add on this game, or do you feel like I hit the nail right on the head? Yeah, I'm not going to question you because you definitely have focused in and know more about this game than I do as a Jets fan. Uh, I like what you said, how you had to preface the the Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold debates. If Darnold comes out, lights it up, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, people are going to go crazy either way it goes. They're going to overreact. That's what happens every year, every team. But, no, I got not much to add to that. Uh, it's going to be a good game. I'm excited to see Wilson on the field and full speed. Yeah, surprisingly, I don't think the major impact is going to be on Wilson. Obviously, I want Wilson to play good. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. I just feel like there's more of an importance on how the Jets' defense is going to affect Darnold because the Jets improve their offense a lot. I mean, between Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Wilson, drafting Michael Carter, drafting Elijah Vera Tucker. They should be able to score points with how much they invested in that offense. You want to see Wilson do well. And based off the preseason, not throwing so much into it, I feel like he is going to be able to score some points. I just think the main focus is how the Jets are going to affect the opposing offense. Yeah, you got to get in Darnold's head. The Jets know that best. Um, it's got to affect them in there. Get in, get a few sacks. Give yourself the best chance to win a football game. 100%. And moving on, we're now shifting to your favorite team. And this is honestly one of the better games. And I'm surprised with how a lot of people are putting the lines out for this one. The Steelers are facing the Bills. And I'm just going to give you the floor right away, Austin. What do you what do you feel about this game? Because I think there is an aspect, specifically with the Steelers, that people are underrating in terms of this game? Yeah, I think the Steelers, they're definitely getting disrespected on some of these lines that are going out, six and a half, seven. I think they'll cover that. They should, but there is a different headline that is covering the Steelers and kind of a Steelers fan bringing us down before we head into week one, which is never good. Uh, TJ Watt is heading into his last year on his current contract. And the Steelers are known for not signing guys midseason. They want to wait till after the season's over. And they never have, unless it's a quarterback, they never really extended anyone that's on their last year, unless they're a quarterback. Um, going into this game, hopefully we see TJ on the field. Uh, he's gonna, If he's there, he might be on a snap count because he has had no physical contact or, like, work in team-on-team practice, whatever. He's only done his own thing. So that's scary. Uh, The Steelers have a new offensive line, four new starters, two of them being rookies, which is also scary when you have a 38-year-old injury pass quarterback back there. But I'm excited to see Ben out there again, potentially his last season, which is sad to see. Hopefully not. They haven't closed the door on that yet. Uh, I think he is also a player who has been disrespected over and over again as the year's gone on. He had a great season last year. Um, I mean, we were 11-0 at a time. It's hard to win football games in the NFL. Whatever your schedule is, it doesn't really matter. We won the AFC North. Uh, And, yeah, we see Devin Bush. He's not 100% yet, so that's going to suck. And something for the Steelers they have to focus on is slowing down Josh Allen because if you don't do that, you're not going to win this game. Uh, We've lost to the Bills the past two seasons. I think last year we kind of got blown out, which sucks. Uh, and we're also let's just one out here. Uh, Stefan Tuitt is also out this week, so I'm he's actually out for like six weeks. So if we're out Watt and Tuitt, 
really going to be a big blow because then you really only got – I mean, you still have a solid defensive line. You got Highsmith and Ingram on the edges, Cam Hayward and Alou-Alou inside. Uh, new starting cornerbacks, Cam Sutton coming off an extension. Uh, we'll see Joe Hayden in there too. It could possibly be his last season as a Steeler. Really don't want to see Stephon Diggs going off, so we'll see how our young corners can stop him. And I think we got to control the running game to win this game. Uh, Najee, hoping for a big one. Uh, over there in Buffalo, the running backs are kind of weak. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. But we just don't know what Najee's going to bring to the table this season. Uh, hopefully a lot of catches out of the backfield, a lot of big gains. And I'm hoping for a Steelers victory. Yeah, I mean, looking at this game's line, the Bills are six-and-a-half-point favorites, which in my mind is slightly disrespectful and very interesting. If we're going based off the fact that we're not sure about T.J. Watt's performance and how he's going to even play and if he's going to play, then that line makes a little more sense because T.J. Watt's one of the more dominant edge rushers in the entire league. If he is playing, I feel like a guy like that can change the entire complexion of a game because – of his talent, same thing I said. He's one of the best pass rushers in the entire league. With that being said, I think the Steelers' offense is being disrespected. Buffalo's defense is not exactly completely shut down. Are they good? Absolutely. They have a pretty good defensive front, a pretty good secondary. Tredavious White is one of the best corners in the league. So the Bills have a great over, overall team. I just think we're losing the fact that Najee Harris is an, an insanely talented running back. Deontay Johnson, Claypool, and Juju is a very good wide receiver core. Pat Fryermuth was one of the higher-rated tight ends coming out, and he should definitely have an impact right off the bat. Eric Ebron has talent. It just comes down to the trenches. If the Steelers can hold their own, and I'm not saying dominate. I'm just saying hold their own against Buffalo, this game will be tight. This game will be close. So I think the defense will do enough to limit Josh Allen to the point where one can actually limit Josh Allen. So with that being said, this ties into the betting stuff we're going to get into at later in the show. I think the Steelers are being slightly disrespected. I think this will be a closer game than most people expect. I don't think the Steelers are as bad as people are saying. And... That's not that's not an indictment on Buffalo. I think Buffalo is a very good team. I think they're going to be very good this year. I just think the Steelers are a little closer to their talent level than a lot of people are saying. They're more, they're more I would say, ha- more than halfway than below halfway there, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And I like what you said about the wide receivers. Uh, everyone hates Juju and Claypool because, you know, TikTok stars just trying to have fun on the football field but you know it's a no fun league people hate it people love it no in between uh hopefully we can control the game and come out with a win I mean that would be exciting it's always good to start the season one now and I mean I'm, I'm just really excited for week one to start hopefully TJ Watt is on the field because that is a game changer Yes, it should be very interesting. And transitioning to another topic based around week one, and then it's then it's fun time after that. I'm taking a bit of a look at fantasy. We are as a show. And we've we have chosen a boom and essentially a bust. Who's gonna go off this week and who's gonna basically bottom out, hit the floor? I'll start this off. The good game, I think. The boom, essentially, is going to be the 49ers passing game as a whole. I could not choose one specific person, but the Detroit Lions are a team that are going through a massive rebuild. Their secondary, while it has the talent, has not shown the production just yet. And essentially, Kyle Shanahan is one of the best, if not the best, offensive mastermind in the entire NFL. I think Kittle as in George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel could all go for big games this weekend. That's predicated on the running game not having about 200 yards rushing against a 
less than stellar Lions uh, rushing defense. But I think just based off the play action concepts and making life easier for Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of these guys on the 49ers could have a great game against Detroit. I could see a world where the 49ers put up 35 points and Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo all either catch one or two touchdowns. Not saying they would all catch two, but I think there could easily be two guys on that team that have two reception touchdowns or 100 yards receiving. I'm just, I'm very, very, very optimistic for this 49ers team. I think that even with Garoppolo in, they are a great offense. And once Trey Lance takes the reins, that offense is essentially going to the moon in my eyes. And starting the year off against the Detroit Lions is going to essentially set the tone that the 49ers are back and they really never left. It was just injuries that took a massive toll on this team. My bad game, the bust, if you want to call it, I'm saying the entire Giants offense. This ties into my concerns with the entire year for Saquon Barkley. This Giants offensive line is, well, to put it in the nicest terms, I can say abysmal. They are terrible. New England absolutely eviscerated them and almost got Daniel Jones killed in the last preseason game. To throw a fun comparison out there, if the Giants are a hammerhead shark, if to, to use that, then the Denver Broncos are a megalodon. Between Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, Andrew Thomas may be benched by the second half of the first game. I am legitimately fearing for Daniel Jones' safety this week because I don't know how the Giants are going to block that Denver defensive line. Between those two insane edge rushers, they're going to have to shift all the focus out there, and then the interior guys are going to make things happen and make life hell for the Giants' offense. With this being Barkley's first game off the ACL tear and Jones having a lot of injury issues that were from last year, I'm just very scared about the entirety of the Giants offensive production in week one. Could there be some garbage time points? Absolutely. But when the game actually means something and Denver having a quarterback that doesn't make a lot of mistakes and Teddy Bridgewater, it's going to be a very, very dangerous game for the Giants. And I don't think they're going to do much this week. Yeah, uh, that, I guess I'll start with my bus then because I also had Kenny Galladay. It's a guy coming off a nice, or not a nice, a bad injured season last year where it was off and on again, whether he was coming back or not. And it's also a guy who's going to have to get comfortable on that offense, new QB. I mean, he was blessed with Matt Stafford. Now he has Daniel Jones, who we don't know what he's going to be in his career. And like you said, I think the Giants are definitely going to have a slow start this year. The offensive line's not good. And it's just, we'll see. We, it's something we have to see as the season goes on. I'm not telling you to go start an unproven guy like Jamar Chase ahead of Kenny Galladay. But if you have like a real tight battle right there, Kenny Galladay and like your wide receiver to flex spot, whatever, I wouldn't necessarily start him this week. Just basically all the same reasons you said. Um, I boom, Brandon Cooks. Uh, he scorched the Jags twice last season, 11 catches, 244 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, that would add up to around 50 points in two games. And when you can get that out of your fuck spot, wide receiver three, whatever you got, you got to take it. You got to put him in again this one. You expect him to have a good game. I mean, he's got Tyrod Taylor throwing him the ball who we haven't seen in over a season because last year he had his like lung punctured by a team doctor. So uh, we will see. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. Brand Cooks is going to have a good, good, good week. And now with the fantasy picks out of the way, it is time for, I mean, we haven't came up with the title for this, but for now we'll call it the bet zone. It is like time it. for us to give our picks for week one. And essentially how we're breaking it down this week is we have a lock of the week, and I have a fun name that I'm going to share once we get to that point. 
we have a parlay, whether that's it's essentially whatever amount we choose. And we have some prop bets that are seasonal because the season hasn't started yet. We want to give some predictions. We'll reevaluate these in the middle of the year and then come back to them and see how correct we were once we give them. So to start off, my pock lock pick of the week. I got to trademark that. Austin, remind me to do that. Denver, two and a half points. They are going to cover that spread and win outright with a minus 158 money line. Like I said, I think Denver's defense is going to put nightmares into Giants offense. Make Daniel Jones see ghost to have a uh, second New York quarterback suffer that same fate. And on the offensive side, I like Denver's offense enough to control the game to make enough things happen against the Giants. Pretty good defense to come out on top. This prediction, the winning by more than two and a half points, is more predicated on Denver's defense than Denver's offense. Austin, what's your lock of the week? Yeah, I don't have a cool name like you, but my lock of the week is the Falcons minus three versus the Eagles, the Lions at minus 120. I like it because I don't think these defenses are really that good at all, and I just don't think the Eagles are going to be keeping up with the Falcons. Uh, When it comes down to it, you got a guy like Calvin Ridley on the outside who may be untouchable this week. Uh, We'll see. Um, Yeah, I just don't think the Eagles are going to be able to keep up with them. Uh, Matt Ryan – better than Jalen Hurts. I mean, I'm a, I am excited for Hurts' this season. I think he's being a little disrespected in rankings and stuff for sure, but we didn't really get to see too much of him last year. And the Eagles are really new coach. I mean, the Falcons are too, actually, but we'll see. We will see. I, my lock of the week, Falcons minus three. Take it. I'm taking it. Put your house on it. Don't actually do that. This is not betting advice. These are our yeah. predictions. But yeah. moving yeah. on to the parlay. Uh I made a three-legged parlay. These are three games that I would bet in conjunction with each other if I were to bet these because I just like how these games look. I think that you could easily win based off this. First one, Jets plus five versus Carolina. It's everything I said when covering the game itself. I think that Jets will keep this a lot closer than a lot of people think. I also think that a lot of this line, the Jets being five-point underdogs, is the old same is the same old Jets narrative, the LOL Jets narrative that I think, and this is an unbiased view, that by hiring Robert Sala and having a different type of culture in there in there, the entire aura and status around the Jets is going to change very, very quickly. They could still very easily lose this game. I am not saying that they're an absolute lock to win. I am just saying that there is a good chance that they play this game way closer than anyone else thinks. The second leg of the parlay, Steelers six and a, six and a half versus the Buffalo Bills. Kind of like what Austin alluded to and what I alluded to. I think that the Steelers keep this a lot closer than people think. I think that some aspects of the team are being underrated while aspects like the offensive line are being properly rated. I think that People are discounting the weapons the Steelers have. I think people are discounting the effect that the Steelers' defense had over the first half of the year last year. And the last leg of the parlay, I'm taking the under in the Bears-Rams game. This is kind of like the Giants-Broncos game, where I think that the Bears have a very fearsome defense. I think that as good as Matt Stafford is as a quarterback it is his first true game in the sean McVay scheme i think kind of like brady shifting to that new team last year in tampa bay there's a chance for a little bit of a letdown and growing pains in that first game of the season for the rams and i think that kind of like what i said with uh teddy bridgewater and the broncos the bears may be playing a bit of ball control and controlling the clock and not let the ball get back into Stafford's hands. And even when it does, I think the Bears defense led by Cahill Mack is going to really 
do enough to limit the amount of scoring in that game. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's my turn for the parlay. I'm going to start it off with Ravens minus three first half versus the Raiders Monday night football in Las Vegas. It's That stadium is going to be crazy, but I hate to say it as a Steelers fan, it's fun watching the Ravens. It's fun watching Lamar. And I think he's going to dominate, honestly. And I think they take that first half for sure. Uh, next, we got Packers Saints under 50. Now, this is a game that could definitely go over 50, for all we know. But they're playing, I think, in the Jaguar Stadium or something. They're, they're not in New Orleans, I don't believe. So it's a totally new place. There's not really going to be too many fans there. It's going to be a weird game. We're going to take the under in that. And then something we've talked about a lot today is the Giants-Broncos game. I'm taking the Broncos minus two and a half. We pretty much said all we have to about the Giants. Not much to add. But, yeah, that is my parlay for this week. And I know you didn't have one because they are not fully up yet, but I took prop for Thursday night. Antonio Brown will score a touchdown. Wife and kids, put them on it. Whatever you got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where it works for me. And the last part of the quick hit betting segment, I'm just going to keep throwing names until one sticks, to be completely honest. Yeah. Season long prop bets. And we're going to fly through these because why not? First one I have Justin Herbert, most passing yards in the league. Herbert demonstrated that he is a very good quarterback. He demonstrated how talented he is last year by stepping in as a rookie when he was never supposed to come in that early and in a very low-key fashion, lit up the league. He is now a little bit higher rated, but still not as high as I think he probably should be. With the odds of plus 1,200 on FanDuel Sportsbook for him to lead the league in passing yards to win that sort of award, I feel like just throwing a few few bucks on that couldn't hurt at all. The NFL is the NFL for a reason. Sometimes you can't predict this stuff. Sometimes the guys that you think are going to lead in a certain category aren't going to lead in that category. If Herbert doesn't do it, so be it. It's a, it's a long shot as it is, but if somehow he comes out and has an insane season that topped the one he had last year, so it's a very good bet. Also, another guy in the 700 range is Tom Brady. I don't think it would hurt to throw something on that because Tom Brady has proved everybody time and time again that he is just different. If Brady comes out firing on all cylinders like he was at the midseason point, he could very easily lead the league in passing yards as well. My second one, Nick Chubb, most rushing yards in the NFL, winning the rushing title. He's at plus 850 for a guy that came very close and I think may have even led the league for most of the year last year in rushing yards. I don't understand why his odds are so low. I feel like getting in on this one before the season starts is a very smart move. Chubb had one of the best seconds, second halves of an NFL season that I've seen in recent memory. He is, in my opinion, one a top five pure runner in the league. And if he's able to avoid the injuries that have plagued him over the past few years, I think he could very easily dominate this entire year and make you win this bet. The last one, this is another Jets one. And I think it makes a lot of sense, not because I think he's a surefire pick to win it, but the odds are a little bit in his favor in a way. I've, I, but the third one I have is Zach Wilson winning the rookie of the year. His odds are at plus 700. For a guy that is known to be the entrenched starter, a guy that will literally play every single down unless there's a complete blowout or he somehow gets hurt, and a guy that has an improved offense with weapons like Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder, and Michael Carter. There's no reason that he shouldn't be able to threaten for rookie of the year. Now, I know Trevor Lawrence is the better pick here, but I feel like Wilson has a little bit better of a team around him. Do I? That's not me saying that I think the Jets are going to make it further than a lot of these teams, but I think there's just a better situation around Wilson 
than most will give credit for because it's the Jets. In addition, I think he has the talent level. And if things click a little bit more than some people expect, I think he could easily eclipse 4,000 passing yards, especially in a 17-game season. Yeah, no, I like all your picks for sure. My favorite out of yours, probably Herbert. Good value at plus 1,200 for sure. Um, following you, for my most passing yards this year, I'm going to go with Josh Allen. Uh, he's on the hunt right now for an MVP. I'm just really hoping his campaign does not start week one versus Steelers, but if it does, maybe I'll be right. Uh, and then next we got the rushing. I'm going to – I'm going to take the easy way out here. I'm going to take Derrick Henry. Uh, I think he won it the past two seasons or something. Plus 300, not going to make crazy money on it, but you have good, great chance to just win some money, quick buck, whatever you want to throw on that. And lastly, offensive rookie of the year. I would love to take the easy way out again on Trevor Lawrence, but we're not going to do that. We're going to go with our boy, Najee. You know, you take the Jets, I'll take the Steelers. Uh, he has great potential to become the best or top 10 running back this season, maybe even higher. It really depends how he works out of the backfield, how much volume he gets. I'm assuming he's going to be a 300-plus touch guy this year. Uh, hopefully, we'll see. And that's all I got on the betting side, I think. Oh, and, uh, yeah, I have – Josh Allen, that's my MVP for sure. Not gonna lie, when I was looking at these pre-show, I was I was really surprised that Najee has worse odds than Zach Wilson. Maybe that's positional value, but Najee was slotted at 850 plus 850 odds for a guy that was basically universally hailed as the best running back in the draft class, which is very interesting to look at I, I was very shocked by that I, I honestly don't think you could go wrong with Najee or Wilson and I think in some cases Najee may be a better pick than Wilson for rookie of the year yeah uh, I'm just gonna assume it's the offensive line that's kind of bringing his odds down probably like I said before four or two rookies four new guys on the line so we'll, we'll see whole season left Yep, and on that note, thank you guys for joining us on another great episode of Across the Pylon. Make sure to stay tuned to our social media channels for, honestly, whatever content we choose to post, whether that's clips from this episode after week one airs or fantasy team evaluations, whether it's before the season or once the season gets underway, kind of grade some lineups. Also, stay tuned for trivia and... Make sure to listen to us wherever you can find podcasts. Thank you for joining us on another great episode. And for Austin and myself, we'll catch you next time. Peace.